Welcome to Between the Worlds. I'm your host, Amanda Yates-Garcia. Stay tuned and learn how to re-enchant your world with tarot, magic, and more. So this episode was only supposed to be a mini-sode, like a little holiday hors d'oeuvre for you on the Venus retrograde in Capricorn transit and what happens when Venus, the planet of love, encounters Pluto, the god of the underworld. However, our hors d'oeuvre ended up being more of a first course meal, to be honest, more mac and cheese than mozzarella stick, but it will give you something to listen to while you're making that holiday dinner. In any case, I've been talking about Venus retrograde all over the place on my newsletter, on the socials, at our tarot studio for our coveners, and I thought since it's such an important transit for most of us, it would be nice for you to have it all in one place. So here it is. Bon appétit. Ghosts of the year, come here, come here. Night yawns, boundless. Lie down, lie down, look up, look up. The wheel winds around us, around us. According to Tarot Numerology, 2021 was a hierophant year, and 2022 is going to be the year of the lovers. If you'd like to find out more about what that means for you, Between the Worlds is having a workshop next month, which we would love for you to enroll in. We'll be looking at your personal cards of the year and how they relate to the collective cards. We'll be helping you calculate your personal soul cards. And we'll be looking at the ways that your cards of the year and the collective cards of the year can act as teachers and guides, helping you clarify your path and your intentions, and also giving you a little guidance on how you can work with the cards throughout the year. If you would like to join us for that workshop, please do have a look at the link in our show notes or go to our website, www.betweentheworldspodcast.com forward slash shop. Venus is the planet of love, of intimacy, of romance, pleasure, the arts. 
Venus is what brings us delight. It's that mmm feeling. Also, Venus is our values and what we love, what we cherish, and also what people love and cherish about us. It's what's valuable within us, what people see as our gifts. Maybe we aren't able to recognize those gifts, but it's what draws people towards us. We might think of Venus as the force of gravity, that force that brings things together, that relational force that brings things together in love in an embrace. Venus is that force of love, actually, that holds together the universe. So, what happens when Venus goes retrograde? Well, retrograde is when a planet appears, it doesn't actually happen, but it, it appears as if the planet travels backwards through the ecliptic, or that pathway that planets travel on in their path around the sun. And in astrology, this is interpreted in a mythopoetic sense as Venus entering the underworld. For many of us, it might feel like we enter that darkness with her when she goes retrograde. And as we pass through the gates of the underworld, as we walk hand in hand with Venus, we might hear the underworld guardians, Cerberus, the three-headed dog that guards the gates of the underworld, warning us, it's time for your heart to get sober or deal with the consequences. I'm saying this because Venus is going retrograde in Capricorn, which is an energy that absolutely favors sobriety. And by getting sober, what I mean is allowing your heart to see with clarity. If Venus is your heart and clarity is sobriety, it means letting go of delusions, aversions, addictions, all the things that stand in between you and the truth. And for me, the truth is, is our ability to be intimate without running away, without hiding. Intimate with whatever it is that we, we want to come into further connection with, whether that's other people or it's our artwork or our career path or the planet or nature or just our life, just being able to be fully present in our life. You know, we all have voices within us that encourage us to look the other way or voices that tell us there's nothing we can do to change our circumstances or the circumstances in the world or voices that naively hope that other more powerful people are going to come in and take care of our problems or the problems in the world. You know, there's voices within us, I think the voices of our addictions really, who kind of pretend to care for us and then say, like, you're too overwhelmed by your life to take any action. There's, there's really nothing you can do. And I think, you know, it's fair if we feel that way. Life is very overwhelming a lot of the time. But these voices can also tell us that we're doomed anyway. So we may as well just keep going along in the same old way or stick our heads in the sand or do whatever kind of pacifies us so that we don't have to experience the real feeling 
of intimacy because intimacy is very intense. Intimacy with our life means that we feel all the feelings. We're fully present for it. And sometimes that can just feel like, you know, too much. We might be scared of that. In any case, Capricorn comes in as like, nah, dog, we're going to look. So what is Capricorn? Well, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. It's a sign that most powerfully correlates to duty, responsibility, sobriety. And like I said, to be sober is to be willing to face discomfort, to, to face the discomfort of being close, of being real, of really feeling the thing, to face the feelings and the truths that our addictions told us that we didn't have to see. That's what Venus retrograde in Capricorn is all about. Now, Capricorn is a cardinal earth sign, which means it's the kind of earth sign that begins something. So earth is body, work, material, resource, nourishment, and the beginning of earth is foundation. So Capricorn lays the foundation. It creates the surface upon which everything that our hearts long for can be built. If we build on an unstable foundation, then eventually whatever we build is vulnerable to collapse, right? Things don't fit together properly. Our furniture slides around. The doors don't close right. Everything feels a little tilted and out of balance. So you can see why you would want to be sober when pouring a new foundation, especially if it relates to your heart. If it relates to love, to intimacy, to your creativity, you want to see what's really happening. You want to make choices that are that are good and healthy for yourself. So I want to tell you a little bit about the dates of this transit, just to give you something to think about here. This Venus retrograde period is part of an eight-year cycle. So the last time Venus was retrograde in Capricorn was at the end of 2013. And the time before that, it began in December of 2005. So take a moment to consider, maybe pause this and take a moment to consider what was going on for you during those times. Because this retrograde will give you an opportunity to close the loop, to heal an old wound, or to finally get it right this time. I mean, for me, I was about to go through major breakups in both of those times. The first time in 2005, I was about to get really pulled into the underworld of um, a kind of rebound relationship that really took me deeply off track for a really long time. And then at the end of 2013, which was a breakup of a marriage, it was a, a deep, um, I guess, you know, if I were Christian, I might say it's a come, it was a come to Jesus moment <laughs> where I really had to get real with myself about what you know, I was doing in relationships, who I was. And, you know, I feel like I'm even more capable of doing that now. I can really focus and I'm not worrying about healing my heart. I'm, I'm worrying about, like, really getting into the foundation and rebuilding from a place of true groundedness and sobriety. And I want to do this soberly and slowly around everything, not just my relationships, but my relationship also to creativity, my relationship to myself. You know, I want to be Capricorn-esque about all of it. Tap that cap, as Carolyn would say, my producer. 
So, you know, if you want to go deeper, have a look at what house is ruled by Capricorn in your natal chart, and that will give you a clue as to where in your life you can most expect to feel this transit. So for me, for instance, Capricorn rules my ninth house of spirituality and dreams and the unfamiliar, the expansion of the mind, long distance travel. So for me, I'm seeing this transit specifically in relationship to the visions that I share in the world. Because in 2005, I was in grad school, getting very distracted from doing the work I should have been doing in grad school with, you know, this rebound relationship shadow work. I go into deep detail about it in my book in the chapter called Demon Lover. (laughs) Very appropriate. Um, My book initiated, please have a read if you're interested or maybe you have your own demon lover. And then, you know, my, my marriage was about my marriage, but it was also very much about, you know, my relationship to my own power. And that's one of the things that destabilized that relationship from my perspective. Since that breakup, I've been stepping more and more into who I really am as a person and really embracing my magic and my power and and, and creating from that place. And I kind of finally feel ready to share that vision with the world even more than I already have. So that's how, for me, I'm relating it to my ninth house. Ninth House is also the house of publishing, so I better get back on that horse and and write another book. But you can look at where this might be, what house, what area of your life this transit might be activating by looking at where Capricorn is in your chart. So everybody has Capricorn in their chart somewhere. It rules a specific house or it lives in a specific house in your natal chart. So if I were you, I would look at your natal chart and see where Capricorn is, what pizza slice, that's what I call the houses, what pizza slice it lives in in your chart. And um, you can just Google how to find out, you know, what your chart looks like if you don't already know. Chani Nicholas's website has a a really easy to use, user-friendly means of checking out your natal chart. So have a look at that if you're curious. So Venus entered Capricorn on November 5th. This is when she enters this realm of, you know, duty and responsibility and getting serious. And then on November 17th, Venus entered their shadow period. So those of us who menstruate will totally get how intense shadow periods can be. Raise your hand if you've ever had a shadow period, the kind that make you totally disoriented and grouchy and um, feeling like hiding under the pillows. I mean, just kidding, but kind of not. In any case, people who don't menstruate, I'm sure, have plenty of shadow periods in their day as well. In any case... Technically, though, in astrology, a shadow period is the length of sky that a planet will backtrack through once it begins its retrograde. So Venus enters Capricorn, and she's skipping along the path towards Grandma's house. And then the wolf comes out and scares her, and she turns around and she runs back home from when she came. As she runs back home, that's when she goes retrograde. At the very end of retrograde, 
It's like she gathers her courage. She's running on the path home and she gathers her courage and she's like, I'm going to make friends with that wolf. Venus thinks. As a relational being like Venus, of course, would do. Incidentally, I hope this is the conclusion that we all come to (laughs) by the end of our Venus retrograde period. So Venus has this realization. I'm going to make friends with the wolf. And that's when she goes direct. She turns around and she starts walking back towards grandma's house. She turns around on the path and she heads back the direction that she'd been intending to go all along. But she's still in her shadow period until she gets to the same place she was in when the wolf sprang out of the bushes. Feel me? So her shadow period is all the path she traveled down before she got scared by the wolf. So that shadow period began on November 17th. We entered that phase. The retrograde is when she meets the wolf and she runs back. And that began on the 18th of December. So we really entered retrograde then. And then on the 29th of January, Venus goes direct again, but is still in their shadow period while they walk the path again towards grandma's house. Then on March 1st, Venus gets to the wolf. She ran back and then she ran forward. Then they get to the wolf, make friends with it, and leaves the shadow period. They climb on the wolf's back and head on their merry way direct again with a wolf familiar and all is right with the world, victory to the goddess. That happens on March 1st going in a little ways to what a retrograde is. This is the same for all planets. This is what happens when all planets go retrograde. They kind of go back on the path and then they come forward on the path. But let's talk about how this transit might show up for you. As most of you know, I've been thinking a lot about this this, um, transit as relating to our addictions or the things that get in the way of our authentic self the things that obscure our view towards our most authentic self. And because Venus, you know, rules love and connection and intimacy, which is such a powerful force, she's very susceptible to being snared by addictions. So addiction is when something that we want and participate in starts to control us. Maybe at first the relationship we have with that something is mutually beneficial, but when a relationship becomes imbalanced, we become depleted, and then the more we engage with this thing, the less power we have to set boundaries and say no, and we start to feel bad about ourselves. So this transit is a move towards, if we handle it right, clear-heartedness or a deep, true knowing of what your heart wants and a willingness to put in the steadfast effort to create that. So for me, this whole transit is showing up as a meditation on the difference between duty and people-pleasing. Duty being Capricorn, Saturn, and people-pleasing being the message, really, of Venus retrograde. So for instance, while I was planning the Page of Pentacles episode, which is going to come out next week. I was working on it and working on it, and I remembered this myth that I really wanted to tell all of you, and I I remembered reading about it. And so I went off to go find, oh, where, where, what book had I read that in? And 
I had remembered reading about this myth like months ago, and I couldn't remember where I'd read about it. So, you know, I was supposed to finish this episode, the Page of Pentacles episode on Monday, and then I went searching for the reference, and I was looking and looking, and I was like, I need to have this reference. And it took me hours, and I I never really found it, but I found all this other stuff that was so great, and I, I kind of got lost in all of that. So you're having a little bit of insight into my my highly diagnosed ADHD brain. Um, And people who also have ADHD will totally relate to this, I'm sure. Because then I panicked because the episode had to be finished. Carolyn needed to get it to be able to edit it that night. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do it. And that's what took me into this duty versus pleasure moment. Because I was like, okay, I can I can stay up tonight in a state of panic, like hustling to get this episode done, but it won't be done in the way that I want it to be done. Or I can just, you know, put the brakes on it and just say, okay, it's just not going to be done. So we're going to be late or I'm going to put, put out something else. But this fear came up in me. I was like, I can't not do the thing that I said I was going to do. I can't not put out that episode I said I was going to. People are going to hate me. They're going to abandon me. They're going to reject me. They're going to reject the podcast. They're going to criticize. This is just like all inside my brain, of course. And then I was thinking about, you know, I got into this line of work so that I wouldn't have to torment myself with the hustle and grind culture so that I could live my entire life dwelling in beauty and magic and the silver light of the moon. You know, and um, Carolyn, the producer of this podcast, is always trying to convince me and to remind me, you know, like, we can let it be fun, smart, and easy. We don't have to do this the hard way. And I get like, all like, oh, but it has to be this way. Anyway, uh, yes, so I chose this career of magic. You know, I, I chose this career of being able to talk about mythology and tarot and astrology with all of you. But what I didn't change was my internalized inner critic the voice that told me no matter what I was doing, that I was doing it wrong. And this voice shows up in multiple ways. It shows up, you know, in our relationships. It shows up in our love lives. It shows up in our relationship to our sexuality, our our relationship to our bodies, our relationship to our creativity, our relationship to our work, how we, you know, get money, how we get resource. And so for me, this transit is offering an opportunity to make friends with the wolf, to transform it into an ally, to take a sober look at like what is really going on here and to shift it around instead of avoiding it. Because for me, that's what addiction is about, is avoiding, avoiding the feeling of discomfort that, oh, people are going to be mad at me. And distracting myself with, oh, well, people are going to be mad at me, so I just can't handle it. I'm going to do something completely different. And just letting myself feel whatever feeling. You know, like, it's okay if I'm afraid of that. It's okay if I feel that. Take a few deep breaths and then decide that I get to do things differently if I want to. And I'm not saying that's easy. Making that choice, realizing, like, We can do the thing that scares us if it leads us into deeper intimacy with the life that we actually want. I'm just putting that out there. I want to 
say one last thing about this transit, which is about Venus conjunct Pluto. This is where it gets really deep. So the first time that Venus encounters Pluto, the planet of power, deep transformation, was on December 11th. Then again on the 25th, which is a, um, I would say, sometimes a triggering day for many of us, (laughs) December 25th, Christmas Day. And then again on March 3rd. So Pluto and Venus come in and out of conjunction. That's like a pairing up on these dates. Now, Pluto is co-ruler of Scorpio, the energy of transformation, of transmutation. And Pluto is the guardian of hidden things, tectonic shifts, our deepest power. Pluto, also known as Hades, was called the wealthy one in classical mythology because all wealth comes from the earth. Wealth comes from where the dead are buried, the realm of the ancestors, the place where Gold and minerals and metals and gems live, the place where water comes from. And water, of course, is life. So Venus, getting sober, getting real, going to rehab, meets Pluto. She meets Pluto in rehab. She encounters this monster there, this planet of wealth and power that's going to trigger some major transformations in her and in us. As I was saying to our lovely Tarot Studio group, or our Between the Worlds Coven, which you can join at a Jupiter level and come to the Tarot Studio, and you too can hear all about this, this transit reminds me of the story, I guess the fairy tale of Bluebeard. Now, if you're sensitive to violence, this might not be the story for you. Just a heads up about that. I'm not going to go deep into it because this is a mini-sode in theory, but... I do want to tell you a little bit about it, which is Bluebeard is the story of a man, a wealthy man with a blue beard, which marks him out as different or like a god or peculiar somehow. And he's an important person, someone to take note of. Wealthy, wealthy guy, lives in a castle, and he keeps marrying women. And again and again, they disappear. So finally, the heroine of the story, perhaps against her better judgment, agrees to marry Bluebeard after his last wife just suddenly, you know, peaced out. We don't know where she went. And so our heroine goes to live in his castle to live a life of luxury. And she's told she can go anywhere she wants in the castle except this one specific room. Because if she goes into this room, Bluebeard will be full of wrath and she will have to suffer the consequences. So Bluebeard leaves the house, and of course he gives her the keys, her heroine the keys to the entire castle, including the keys to that room, which she's been forbidden to enter. And, well, to make a long story short, Minnesota, after all, she does enter that room. He leaves, he goes on his trip, and the heroine enters the room where she's been forbidden from going, and in it she finds the decapitated heads of all of Bluebeard's past wives. And this room is flooded in blood. And she knows, her heroine knows, she's in trouble. So she's like, wow, this is a really bad scene. It's really ugly in here. I'm in deep danger. And she's hastening to leave. She's like scrambling out of there. And she drops the key. She drops this key ring in the blood. That's on the floor. It's 
welling up around her ankles. And as she scoops it up, she grabs it. She puts it in her pocket. She scrambles. She locks the room up again. She puts the keys in her pocket. She runs away. And she's trying to pretend like nothing happened. So she throws away all those clothes. But the key, the key on her key ring, the key to the secret room keeps bleeding, bleeding. And she can't get it to stop. She washes the keys but can't get it to stop. It's just this key is just drenched in blood. And she knows that when Bluebeard gets home, he's going to know what she did. Like I said, I can't dwell in this story to the depth that I'd like to because this is just a holiday episode, short but sweet. But in the end, Bluebeard finds out He's, of course, furious. He's coming after her with an axe. And then her sister and her brothers appear. They come to the rescue. She kills Bluebeard. She gains his wealth. And she uses his wealth to create lives of abundance for herself and for her entire family. Let's say for the entire community. Now, I see this story, which correlates for me with Venus conjunct Pluto, I see this story as about healing ancestral legacies related to our heart wounds, our Venusian wounds, the wounds to our power, our sexuality, our ability to love. So the women that Bluebeard has killed were seduced and abandoned in some versions. You know, we might think of them as our habits and patterns, the ones that are most painful, the ones that are most hurtful, that thing that keeps happening again and again and again. And Pluto, of course, is the keeper of this container. And of course, Pluto knows we're going to look inside this closet. And of course, we are everyone in the story, aspects of ourself, our Pluto. Who in you is Pluto that's trying to hide these, you know, atrocities from yourself? Who is the heroine? Who in you is the ex-wife? We can look at it this way, like every character is an aspect of our own psyche. I mean, we could also look at it as an analysis of the brutality, you know, within our culture, but that will have to wait for a longer episode. In any case, this Pluto transit, Venus and Pluto conjunct, is like the door to the hidden room, the forbidden room, swings open. Maybe maybe it opens just a crack, or maybe you step all the way inside. But in any case, you get the opportunity to see a truth, to see a pattern, a threat, a wound that has been with you all along, maybe since 2005, maybe since 1997, causing harm. Maybe it goes back in your family lineage for generations and generations. And there's been a part of you that has forbidden you from looking at it, from seeing it, from seeing the truth of it. But knowing this, we now have the opportunity to confront these monsters and reclaim our power and liberate ourselves from old patterns. Huzzah! Final note about the symbol of the bloody key. Keys are symbols of Hecate. Hecate, the goddess of the moon, the dark night, magic, and the crossroads. And the crossroads, remember we talked about these roads before already in this episode, The crossroads are where we leave the old past behind. Maybe Venus doesn't go to Grandma's house after all. Maybe they go back home. Maybe Venus doesn't go home at all or to Grandma's. Maybe they go into the woods 
and goes on some new adventures. Maybe the wolf becomes their guide. Remember, Hecate's familiar is the black dog after all. So maybe the wolf becomes the familiar of Hecate. Hecate is the mistress of keys. Demetra George says that this key that she holds is key to the underworld. Hecate unlocks the secrets of the occult mysteries and knowledge of life after death with this key. So in this transit, you hold the key that will unlock the knowledge of life after death, after the death of your old patterns, the ones that had you locked away and afraid, beheaded, disconnected, lost. This transit holds the key or a key. I'm excited to see how it goes, personally. Now, some rituals you can do to go deeper. Reread Bluebeard, why not? It's such a great story. I'll, I'll see if I can hunt down my favorite versions and maybe put it up on social media or something. So keep an eye out for that. Or you could watch Pina Bausch's amazing version of Bluebeard if you have a few hours. <laughs> um... You can go into that. I love that. It's a dance piece that I highly recommend. You can place a key on your altar for Hecate, invoked as the protectress of remote places, wild places of the crossroads. Let Hecate come guide you through this transit and let us know how it goes. We want to know about this. Please do leave us some notes about all of this on our socials. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, next week we will be back with our full-length episodes. In you know, fingers crossed, we'll be back with the first of the court cards, the Page of Pentacles, with underworld journeys and magical seeds and echoing hills, and the secrets of becoming wise. In the meantime, may this Venus retrograde period clear away for new and lasting relationships to love and pleasure and intimacy for all of us. May our foundations be rebuilt on the open field. May we build our foundations on a rich and sober land. May our worship be in the heart that rejoices. May we meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain. May we meet again between the worlds. Just a quick reminder, listeners, before you go, that if you are interested in finding out more about your cards of the year and how they interact with next year's card, the lover's card, please do join us for our workshop, which is coming up next month. You will get a lover's card ritual. You'll get journal prompts, altar strategies, words of power. You'll get a chant, a song, some gestures. You'll get a tarot spread. You'll get lots of great instructions for how to work with your personal card of the year and a beautiful downloadable PDF that you can use at any time. To find out more about that, you can go to the link in our show notes or go to betweentheworldpodcast.com forward slash shop. And also, if you liked our episode this week, this past month in our Tarot Studio, which is the monthly group we have for our subscribers at the Jupiter level, we had a Venus 
retrograde workshop where we did a spread for Venus in retrograde. And uh, we have a great group of folks, all brilliant, kind, and very interesting, actually very knowledgeable and willing to share their knowledge. So we hope that you can join us and you can find out more about that with a link in the show notes. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Subscribers to our Weird Circle at the Jupiter level get workshops, community, bonus content, and magical support throughout the year. We really do hope that you join us. In the meantime, if you love our content and want to keep us on the air, please do take a moment to give us five stars or leave us a sweet review on iTunes or share your favorite moments from the podcast on social media. Truly, all of it makes a huge difference to us. You can tag me at Oracle Valet or at Between the Worlds Podcast. Not only does your support help keep us on the air, It helps baby witches who really need this content know how to find their way to us between the worlds. So thank you for being here and thank you for helping other people find their way here as well. This podcast is hosted by Amanda Yates Garcia and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker-Ricks. Our icon was created by Maria Minnis, aka Tiny Parsnip, and our graphic design is by Leah Hayes. Thanks for flying with us.